You're listening to the Real Estate Runway Podcast, powered by Quattro Capital, where we are all about alternative business and investment strategies to help you amplify life and maximize wealth. Here's your host, the recovering engineer turned multifamily investor, Chad Sutton. All right, Real Estate Runway family, today we have an incredible guest on the show. If you want to talk about being wise beyond your years, listen to this guy, Jeffrey Donis. He's one of three brothers, grew up in Guatemala, and he has just conquered so much in terms of building a real estate business. He's helping his investors generate a solid legacy for their families. Just what an incredible guy. Let's get into this one. I hear some real nuggets coming out of this guy, and I cannot wait to see what they do in the future. Mr. Jeffrey Donis, welcome to the show. All right, all right, all right. Here we are on another episode of the Real Estate Runway podcast brought to you by Quattro Capital. As always, I'm your host, Chad Sutton. Really excited for this episode today. I'm about to introduce a young trio. We have the youngest brother of the trio on the show today, Mr. Jeffrey Donis. Jeffrey, tell me what it is you are into and how you guys got started in real estate because, man, this is an action-packed story and some youngsters who can really show us if they can do it, any of us can. So, Jeff, welcome to the show. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing awesome. I appreciate you having me on, Chad. Um, I've seen a lot of episodes that you've released, and I've had a lot of uh, friends that have actually came on. So I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak on your platform. And uh, in regards to who I am, my name's Jeffrey. I'm 20 years old currently. Uh, my brothers and I syndicate apartments uh, in the Southeast. We live in North Carolina. Currently, I've been a general partner on a little over a thousand units so far. So um, things have been going really well, and uh, we'd love to be very, very active on social media and stuff like that so that we can spread our message and kind of inspire people to uh, really do the things that they may not think they're capable of doing. That is fantastic. And so just just reiterate for me here, how old were you when you started and how did you get started in real estate? For sure. So I was 18. I was 17 when I started learning about it, but I was 18 when we first started taking action. So uh, if you'd like, I can kind of take you down the, the story. I would really love to walk that road with you because just yeah. <laughs> when anyone gets, I thought I got started young, man, I'm in my thirties, but when anyone tells me they started at, at the school age, honestly, and have built the company mm -hmm. you've built, that is such an intriguing story. And I want to hear about it because that quite frankly, that gives us hope that, you know, it's never too early or never too late, right? you know, to really change 100%. your financial future. So yeah, walk that road with us, brother. Yeah, I appreciate that. So my mom, a single mother, I grew up low income and she uh, is from Guatemala, which is a third world country in Central America. Um, I was a college freshman when I went, when we first went to Guatemala. Um, and going into school, a lot of people have the mindset, including myself, I had the mindset of how can I, what, what degree do I have to get to get paid the most? And what job does that look like? What, what role would I be playing? I thought it was sales or marketing or something within business. So as I'm sure all of you know, in your freshman year of college, you're just taking general ed classes and stuff like that. And I liked school. I was pretty good at it. But when I went to Guatemala for the first time, my mom took us there. Very, very humble beginnings. A lot of the things that our family, their experiences and lives in is very different, drastically different. And I grew up considered low income, yet it was light years apart from what they had to go through and what they're still going through. And it's not necessarily something that makes them unhappy, but I was just not grateful. And I, I was more aware of what I had here and the opportunities that we had. So as soon as we got back from Guatemala, it was going into our second semester of my freshman year and my twin brother's freshman year as well. And we started, already heard what wholesaling was, but we actually hadn't started taking action. So we started cold calling as soon as we got back. 
Um, fast forward, the pandemic hits, and as I'm sure you know, you were aware, a lot of schools shut down, and we had to go home. So now this was like a blessing in disguise. Um, obviously, it was an unfortunate event uh, because of the pandemic, but we had the opportunity to now all come home and be focused on building our business. Because right now, this was all just like a belief. We hadn't done any deals yet, so we start cold calling. We learned how to do that all through YouTube and podcasts, which we were cramming bigger pockets, all these different wholesaling podcasts. Um, six months into that process in that journey, we closed on our first deal. Um, a lot of different obstacles we had to overcome to get to that point and a lot of cold calling. We were cold calling from 9 to 8 p.m. during that summer. And it was really just like the thing that we would do all the time because we understood, we learned a lot through the podcast and how you could get your first deal. So after that first deal, we had already heard about what seller financing was through YouTube and we had a guru that we really liked. Um, and we knew he had a course. So as soon as we close, and feel free to cut me off if uh, you want to ask me any questions. But Actually, I do. So so I love that you're, I mean, dude, how fortunate are we that we have podcasts and YouTube and yeah. all this information out there, right? That, you know, back in the day, it was it was books at that, you know, and then usually <laughs> when someone finally stopped what they were doing to write a book, what they're writing about was 10 years old anyway. You know, we can get yeah. instant messages out there today of how things work. And by the way, what was the name of that guru that you were following on YouTube? Yeah. Pace Morby was the guy that we actually, Very good. Uh, that leads us to how we got into seller financing. Have you heard of him? I have heard of him. Yes. Very good individual, cool. but keep going with the seller financing. Yeah. That's some creative stuff right there. I love it. No, no, he's awesome. So we were also reading books. I mean, like the first book we read, which was said, poor dad and et cetera. So after we closed on that first deal, we also ended up leaving school. So we were supposed to reapply for school the next, that summer going into my sophomore year. But I just never did it because I, well, one, I made money and I kind of realized that this is something that I can do. So if I'm going to go to school to get a job that's going to pay me money, I'd rather just go and build my own business and learn things based on what I want to learn versus having to go take these general ed classes that I really didn't see how it was going to benefit me at the time. So that's just my opinion on it. But eventually we used the profits to invest in a, a guru that we had been following. He had a mentorship and it was not that expensive in my opinion, but a lot of people may have shied away from spending money on an online course uh, for the fear of maybe being like ripped off or something. Uh, we, really, we obviously vetted it and we knew who that individual was. He built our trust. So we invested in that. Literally, just with the information that we learned, we got two rentals after just some type of uh, time went by and we were cold calling and we were just now had more tools in our tool belt. So uh, we were able to get two properties on one of them was a seller finance deal, zero money down, 0% interest. It was a really good deal. The second one was a subject to deal, uh, which is a similar creative financing strategy that we used that we learned from that group. So we made our money back pretty quickly. Um, and then Fast forward from that point on, we ended up doing like one fix and flip. Um, and then in like the span of 15 months, we did the, those two deals and creative financing, a fix and flip, and then um, around 15 wholesale deals. Um, and that was a really awesome part of the journey. Like we, we kind of were creating this business from nothing, taking a lot of risks and just having a good time, learning a lot, meeting a lot of people. But we kept hearing through the continuously uh, learning, we kept hearing about multifamily and why you should just go bigger sooner. And a lot of people were regretting not doing it earlier. And we always wanted to end up in multifamily because um, that was that just seemed like the right thing for us. It, it kind of meant the uh, exponential growth that you can have in the, this niche of the uh, of the real estate industry, in our opinion. So we just kept like following different people in the space. And we realized one day, the only thing holding us back were our limiting beliefs. Um, and that led to the interest. And then now we, we eventually joined multifamily and I could stop there if you have any questions or I can continue into how we 
I guess, got started in multifamily. Dude, preach on. The only thing stopping you in anything you're doing is your limiting <laughs> beliefs. So I love that you, like, exactly. you, you have wisdom beyond your years right here. I mean, I, I feel like I'm old saying that to you, but th- that is awesome. And so, yeah, I mean, what you what you really did is figured out, hey, you know, okay, I don't have money. How do I invest? Okay, well, you yeah. figured out you create value. You either have money or value and you create one of those two. So what did you do? You figured out how do I do creative deals, right? First on a small scale. And you had the foresight to first vet the mentor and then invest in a mentor. It's no different than going to college, y'all. It is. You probably make more money with a mentor. But, you know, you it, it's no different than buying a college degree. Sometimes you have to invest in someone who's made the mistakes before, learn what mistakes not to make, and you'll get there faster. You can figure it out on your own. I promise you can. But it'll cost you probably the same, if not more, than what you would have paid on that mentor. And, and what did you say? Two deals in, you'd already made it back. So I'd say that's pretty worth it. Mm -hmm. However, the other distinction I have there for you, brother, is not only did you vet the mentor and invest in the mentor, but you took action with it. You can, I, I have a bookshelf behind me right here. Uh, and I'd like to say I read all those books, but I haven't. But, but those books on the shelf are not doing me any good, right? Even if I went to a mentorship program and you know, had a total download into my brain. If I do nothing with it, I'm obviously not going to lose that or not going to make that money back. Right. So, wow. Incredible journey you've had so far. You made a little bit of money. You realized, Hey, school's not really for me because I figured out something I can do to create value in society and create equity. And then you realize, Hmm, Okay, these are tra- th- th- this is what I call active investing, right? These are these are mm-hmm. uh, or transactional investing. These things will continue making you money as long as you're doing the action that that causes doing transactions, right? Then you realize, okay, this multifamily thing has something to it, and so you went along the path of getting educated there. W- what happened next? Yeah, yeah. Um, so in in regards to why we left school, I mean, I think that's a, a hot topic nowadays, but it seems like a lot of more people are kind of leaving that path. And I, I think a lot of people may just kind of personally, I was giving into societal pressures. Those are really, really the only things holding me back from leaving. Um, but I just ran towards what made me the most uncomfortable. And I was doing it logically. Obviously, I'm not like just leaving with no plan and without some type of proven concept in a certain way. But I think a lot of people, if they're, able, if they're listening to this and that, like if they can relate to that in any way, then just take it for what you will. And I'd love to talk about that too. But in regards to what we did next, we were taking the profits from multi, from the single family space, which wasn't a lot, but it was enough to keep us afloat because we understood that we weren't going to be making that much income because it's not like you can just flip a switch and get your first deal in multifamily. Unfortunately, we, we, we took the same hustle and applied it to that business. But the first book we read was the best ever apartment syndication book. Great book. Um, great we, choice. It's yeah. about that thick, but great choice. <laughs> And by the way, for those who are listening and not watching, that thick is like the what uh, my index finger to my thumb. So it's a pretty big book. Yeah, it was. It's a good book too. Um, and we listened to it on Audible, so we thankfully didn't have to like get the big book. But it was really good. We treated it like a textbook. So with all the skills we learned in school, right, we applied the same type of skills to kind of breaking down that book and taking some type of actionable steps away from it. Um, so we had a meeting once we all completed the book. It took us a few days. We eventually realized that we'll need a mentor and we wanted to do larger apartments because we didn't want to start small. We wanted to be able to hire a third party property management company. Um, and for what we understood that it made more sense to do that if you're going to go larger because we didn't want to manage it ourselves. Very good. So we're like, yeah. okay, cool. So that's, that's something that we need. We need, and we also may need a mentor because typically these deals are done through a broker. Um, 90% or more of these multifamily properties are traded through a real estate broker. It's different than single family, right? So we were like, okay, 
well, let's just try to do it with that one for a little bit um, with the same hustle. So we started cold calling brokers, trying to get them to take us seriously. I quickly realized that they were asking us, what track record do you have? Have you done any deals in this space? Obviously we hadn't. So we were like, okay, well, let's just pivot. We need to find a way to find someone that we can leverage. So we started looking for a mentor, um, ended up joining one group that was, it was a, really good for the information that we took from it, but it wasn't the t- partnerships we were looking for. So then we ended up joining the next group, which is the one that we're still part of today. Um, and that in that group, we found our partners, lifelong friends. Um, and that one was a lot more expensive. That's the most expensive one that we've ever paid to get into. Um, and just curious, Jeffrey, what, which group was the, the latter that was very successful yeah, for you? Yeah, Think Multifamily. Think Multifamily, a very well-renowned and great group. I know Mark Kinney very well. Uh, that's, a, that's a good individual, yeah. He's awesome, he's awesome. And we were able to just kind of have a really good energy and just the the vibe of the group and the people in it, not transactional is the opposite. Uh, So anyways, for us, we just really wanted to join an ecosystem that had people that were doing the things that we wanted to do. And it was literally when we went to their first event, it was crazy because like you'll, you'll be at like a single family event. And this is not to compare them in any way, but um, if you're hanging around people that are doing flips and wholesaling, uh, that's going to be the kind of terminology and just that that's the norm. But when you kind of step out of that and go into another room, you'll see people are doing these like apartment deals as if it's like something that's not as hard as you thought it was, but it's, it's obviously thought it's very difficult. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's very difficult, but they make it you know, so nonchalantly. They'll just be talking about deals and raising, you know, tens of millions of dollars and deal problems they're struggling with and things that we'd never been exposed to just by surrounding ourselves with Absolutely. those people that kind of became our norm eventually. Yeah. And it's crazy how that works. I mean, things are initially foreign to you and difficult, right? Or, yeah. or perceived to be difficult. And then you look down, you're like, well, this is now my new normal. Right. You know, I mean, I, I remember a time where raising $3 million was a huge obstacle in my personal brain. It was like, how in the world are we going to do this? And now we get, you know, checks the size of $3 million, right? So it, it's, 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 it's incredible how it changes. But then again, you look further down the road. And if you really want to think about it this way, since we are in the business of syndicating investments, the Empire State Building was a syndicated investment. How many hundreds of millions of dollars do you think that was, right? So there's always a bigger level. The question is that you have in your mind is, when will I get there? It's not... I can't get there or I don't understand this. It's I'm not there yet. But then you surround yourself. You just need a new room. You need to be in the room with people who are doing this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, now this is probably all second nature to you, right? A hundred percent. And it's uh, it's very simple. Like they, I mean, it's so cliche. I think Jim Rohn said it, right? The five people you surround yourself with, uh, you're the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. That is it's yeah it's very cliche like as you start your entrepreneurial journey and start reading books you'll hear that everywhere but it's it's a simple but it's also something that i find not the easiest to implement like if you're going to always surround yourself with five people always trying to make that the best possible people that can be kind of difficult but anyways that is one of the most effective things that we've been able to do and we've been able to build a really good network and that's how we were able to get into our first deal in multifamily was just by building that network and then adding value um, which we can get into, but now we've been able to get into four deals now, and we're looking at our, our we're sourcing deals now to our, ourselves. So on the first ones, we were just on the co-sponsorship side of things, but now we're uh, looking for our own deals, and uh, things are really going well. So just just really uh, enjoying it. Well, so Jeffrey, let's walk that road a little bit. So now, I mean, at this point in the story, we've kind of tackled the single-family business. We've we've generated some cash, we've generated some value. 
we figured out, you know, hey, there's something to these larger commercial assets, namely multifamily, which we can, you know, we, we talk about all the time why that is. So I won't belabor that point here. But tell me about your first deal. You know, what 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 was the one that made the transition for you? And, and it sounds like you were a co-GP on that deal. You know, so sh- share as much as you're comfortable with there. I'm curious what struggles you went through, what lessons you learned. And then before we're done, I'd love to touch on the subsequent couple kind of as a bulk group of, you know, how you're doing deals now. For sure. So the first one, that was that was obviously they say it's the hardest and I agree. And I think it's mainly like a mindset thing because you're kind of in your own way. So for us, we just, we thought we were going to find our first deal ourselves, um, which a lot of people do, but we were struggling um, for whatever reason. It could have been like, I don't really want to say why. I mean, I easily could say it's because all the brokers, they look at our faces and like, these are kids. How can I sell them an apartment? You know what I mean? Like, like how can I take them seriously? But I think that would be a limiting belief in my opinion, because now it's working and we haven't, I haven't grown a beard yet. So it's not like that's changed much. And initially you probably weren't wrong, but now you got experience, right? So <laughs> you're just as credible as yeah, anybody. Exactly. So um, in the beginning, it's just kind of overcoming those beliefs. But for us, we needed to find a way to bring enough value to a lead sponsor. So that, that was the biggest challenge. So, okay. Someone that's, doesn't have a lot of money themselves or doesn't have that much of an experience or track record or can't sign on loans yet, or um, maybe can't even, I guess, bring enough capital, whether you're raising it or putting in your own money, just for that sponsor to take you seriously. What do you do? That's kind of what we were thinking. Like, How do I possibly bring enough value to this kind of person? So how did you solve that problem? Because that is a real problem, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone goes through that, right? So we were already going to a lot of networking events just because that's the thing that we enjoy doing. And it was actually helping us a lot in a lot of ways. And we just started doing this when we realized this principle was being finding an influencer in a room and or if you don't have something, that's fine, but build your network up of other people that have whatever you, I guess, see or perceive that's valuable. For for instance, I met a lot of experienced sponsors and co-sponsors at these events that we were going to, and I would build really solid relationships with them. And that lead sponsor that I wanted to do a deal with, he didn't know these people. He never met them. So what I would do is leverage those relationships, connect them, um, and in exchange, they would be willing to allow us to bring to do whatever we had to do to get a part of that deal. Um, that's what we did. We just made a phone call, made an introduction, um, and those those two sponsors have now done like multiple deals together. But on the first one, that was where the real value was came from us was making that introduction uh, with someone that had a lot of value to bring, but they didn't know each other before. So that's why I always tell young people or people that are new to the space, the, the most important thing is for you to get creative as to how you can bring people value. Um, and you'll be surprised. Your, your ability to kind of be a connector, that's the thing that's paid off the most for us. And that's how well we've actually done. Majority, all the deals we've done so far, we've connected someone to the deal um, and, and the sponsored valued that enough to, to bring us onto the team. That's so true, Jeff. And it, I think it comes down to if you find yourself a mentor or someone you want to mentor you or want to learn from, you never go up and ask that person, <laughs> hey, well, how can I add value to you today? Right? We're not at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> like the whole idea here is figure it out. You know, you know the yep. core things that after you go to some of these conferences and do some training, you know the core things that go into putting a deal together, right? And sometimes you can't provide those, but I bet you know someone who can. And if you haven't heard this saying yet, write it down, folks. I mean, you are in the relationship business just as much as you are in the the real estate business, right? Relationships and people 
are at the the cusp, the, the intersection of all things in real estate. And so what he is, what Jeffrey is saying here is pure wisdom that, hey, I, I didn't have, you know, I couldn't sign on loans yet. I couldn't, didn't know how to operate a deal yet. You know, I keep saying yet because he will be there. I didn't know how to raise money yet, but I knew how to meet people. I knew how to, you know, to, to define valuable relationships in the center of, of a big crowded room. And just by connecting people together and like being kind of the matchmaker of the deal, you were able to earn a, a value spot at the table, right? 100%. And um, like I said, I think a lot of people, um, especially myself, like you'll go into these things thinking that there's only certain ways that you have to do it based on what everyone else is telling you. But if you can kind of just take a step out and look at it from a, a different perspective, uh, you'll just really, really see things that you didn't see before. And I think that's kind of what I try to tell people, um, especially if you're newer. A lot of people act, seem, seem to be and tend to be introverted in this space. So if you can go to networking events and just be that person that's willing to walk up to anyone and shake as many hands as you can, but truly trying to build relationships. It's not about the number of people you can talk to, but quality of the, com uh, the conversations and the relationships that you walk away with. That's something that we've been pretty good at developing. And I noticed not a lot of people are, are very good at it. Not, not like a I guess, egotistical way, but it's just an observation. Yeah. And, and some people are born with that skill and some need to develop it. Right. But at the end of the day, yeah, yeah. you got to get out of your shell. You got to go talk to some people. You got to meet some people. And once you do that, you know, you're, you're to Jeff's point, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most of your time around. So find those five people and then five, the 10 or 15 around you who are acquaintances. And I bet you'll go somewhere together. I love that. So tell me a little bit about how you added value to get on your next three or four deals that you've been a part of. So it sounds like you're, you're even sourcing your own at this point. So what kind of helped you make that transition, uh, you know, and jump to, to the lead position of the position of lead sponsor rather. Right. Right. So we're, we're sourcing our, our first deal right now that we're like, we were direct to the broker. Um, that's in one of our markets. Um, but before that it was a similar strategy where we were kind of meeting, we meet a lot of awesome people and just are able to, develop those relationships and nurture them, which I'm, I'm not shocked because I know a lot of operators get really busy within their own business. But um, with my three brothers and I, like that's kind of my role is to really just develop good relationships, whether that's with an equity partner, with investors, with other operators, um, whatever you could think of, like that's my role is to just make sure we have relationships. Um, and, and kind of before I go on with that, um, I want to make sure I touch on uh, in regards to the relationship business that we're in, Personally, if you're like new to the space and I was, and I still am, right? I'm still learning and growing. But when you think of it as you don't have to have the answer to anything or to everything. And in fact, I would say you shouldn't even expect to. The power in this and what I'm going to say is I think what I try to do is just know someone that does know the answer to whatever you need and build that, that network extensively so that if you have some type of problem or question, you know who to reach out to. Um, and that's that's what like Robert Kiyosaki does um, in his Rich Dad program. He always says he's like a C student and he wasn't that smart in high school and stuff. He had the worst grades, but he knows people that can get a really smart. He hangs out with really smart people. And that's what I try to do. So um, to go back in, in the, the next four deals or three deals that we did after the first, very similar strategy. We were building really good relationships with very valuable people in the space that needed what we could get them access to. And vice versa with the lead sponsor, they needed access to what we had access to, but they didn't know these people and neither of them knew each other, right? So we were just making connections. We also raised a little bit of capital. And then in exchange, we had access to go to the asset management calls and be involved 
Uh, we get to visit the properties a few times a year. And obviously, we're just surrounding ourselves with operators that have more experience because, I mean, it's not like you can, I can lie about what I've done, right? Um, I can't just make it up. I have to start somewhere. And I think everyone does. But uh, you're just able to learn so much more when you're able to get into those deals and get into the rooms, um, which we've been doing. Um, and it's been going very well. But that's what we've done on every deal we've done so far. And then moving forward, um, what I do for our team is the capital raising and the investor relations. On the back end of that, uh, my twin brother, does the marketing. So we have a podcast, we have social media content, our website, um, lead magnets, all that. That's kind of his thing. And then my older brother does the acquisitions. So what we've been pushing my older brother to do is to source deals. And he finally got one. <laughs> and I know, Chad, if you're like, I'm sure you, you do that as well. It takes a long time to find one. So uh, finally found one that we're, I hope we're under LOI now and we'll hopefully go under PSA soon. Uh, but that one, that one will be the first one that we're leads on. And we're really excited. It's always more to learn. So just trying to stay, uh, keep the momentum going. I absolutely love it, my man. You got, I mean, you guys have segregated and simplified to multiply, you know, and you have a, a business model in place. And, and what you said there is just brilliant because you have, you can only learn so much in a book, right? Or in a course or in a conference, but eventually you have to make the relationships and you have to find out how to get a seat at the table, right? And, and when you're dealing with a 10, 20, 30, $40 million transaction, Sometimes getting a seat at that table is difficult, but once you have it, you learn things that you just, you don't see in a book. You're learning even as the sponsor is sure. learning. I mean, we see new things every single right. day in the deals that we're doing, right? So, I mean, imagine navigating this market that you're in today alone, if you had, did not have anyone to talk to who had walked this before. Yeah. And that's the, yeah, that's what I tell about because people ask me, like, yeah, I'll go to an event and I've had people say this, not maybe almost, not word for word, but I'll try to remember pretty much. It was like, wow, you convinced people with gray hair to invest with you and based on how I look. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And I, the way that I do it, because people ask you, how do you get people to you know, trust you? Yes, they trust me because obviously you try your best to come off as professional and educated, which um, I'd like to think we're getting to a point where we at least have some type of credibility. Um, but on the back end of that, in our network, that's what we leverage heavily is our team. And that's why in our bio, when I sent over, mm. it said, we really want to touch on the importance of having a strong team. And Robert Kiyosaki talks about this all the time. Um, who you have within your immediate team that has the same mission. So for example, my mentor, he's my partner as well. And he's got the track record. He's got the 20 plus years of experience um, done over 60 transactions now. So that's what we leverage when we're talking to investors or other uh, general partners that are looking to work with us. Wow, dude. Wow. This has been an incredible journey walking with you. I love that you're doing this at such a young age. And dude, just imagine where you guys are going to be when you're in your 30s, even. I mean, it's kind of funny to say that most people don't start, haven't even started doing this when they're 30. So, you know, keep creating value for others. And I tell you, you are going to go far. But before I let you go from the show, Jeffrey, I've got to transition you over to the Quattro Trio. Three questions we ask everybody on the show. And then, of course, we've got to get your contact information so we know how to get in touch with you, okay? So, of the three questions that we have to ask, tell me, Jeffrey, what is your superpower in this business? Yeah, I'd say mine uh, is the ability to connect with others. That's a pretty good one. And I think through this whole episode, we've heard that exhibited on a platform. So, fantastic. But now give me some dirt. What is your biggest failure to date and what did it teach you? What'd you learn from it? Yeah. Um, so I, I have two that come to mind, but for real estate and for like personal, it, it's been, I failed to make the soccer team that I was trying to make for like six years. I kept trying out every year, never made it. Um, and I used to blame other people. I was the victim. And uh, there's a saying that's a victim or victor. Are you going to stand in the arena? Have you seen that, that painting? 
Oh yeah. Victim or victor. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was a victim all throughout high school and middle school. And it's not, it wasn't, I mean, I can say it wasn't my fault, but it was. I used to think I'd blame like the coaches, I'd blame someone else. But at the end of the day, I wasn't as, as good of a shape I could have been. Um, and I, that's a lesson that I unfortunately didn't learn early earlier, but I learned now that I always take control and responsibility for everything that happens in my life, regardless of if it's arguably my fault or not. I'd rather it be my fault than try to delegate that to someone else because then I think I don't have any uh, that, that's where like I can at least understand that okay at least I can do something to, to change this or to control it. Um, so that's a, one of the lessons that I learned early. Um, if you want to like one of my failures for my investors, uh, I can touch on that as well. Um, just setting expectations. If you're willing to share it, man, I I, I love hearing actual failures because that tells me you have experience. So so go ahead. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So something obviously like setting expectations for your investors is very very important, and the way you do that um, is simply by just being very transparent and thinking ahead. So trying to give them as much information before, even if it's bad news, let them know as soon as you can and beforehand. Now, it wasn't anything crazy. It was just K1 documents for, for us at one point came out, were going to come out later than when they were due. I mean, a lot of my investors were not too happy about that. And they, I just kind of found that out a little later. So I kind of let them know like very close to the deadline. So that wasn't a good experience. It was very difficult and they were delayed months. So just throughout that entire process, I had to learn how to communicate how to give bad news over and over again. Really just what I could have done better would have been to set the expectation ahead of time and way before it was due. Hey, this is going to happen. This is how we're going to proceed. And this is how I'll keep you updated. I obviously had to learn and go through that. And it was, it's all come full cycle now, which is awesome, right? Like when uh, you got to kind of get to, okay, when will this stop? Like when will these come out? Eventually they do come out. Um, and you're like, okay, cool. I learned a lot through that and we're still alive. And that's a cool thing. I think there's never going to be anything. As long as you don't give up, there'll be nothing that will keep you down as long as you get back up. So that's what I went through through that experience. That's very good. And really, I, I wouldn't even consider that a failure. I mean, it's a failure to communicate maybe. And mm -hmm. you know, yeah. now that you know that, I mean, you can set expectations like that when you're acquiring the investor in the first place, right? It's like, hey, if you're going to invest in this kind of thing, right, your right. taxes are going to be late. Just get used to it. it, it it's a way of life. You know, <laughs> we, we all try to, to go faster, but there's just a lot of work to filing a real estate tax return. But I love what you just said about don't be a victim, right? And you know, there are two kinds of people in this world. There is one kind who life happens to them. Mm -hmm. And then there's another kind where life happens for them. And that's the same kind of a discussion. People who life is happening to them, they are victims. Everything is happening to them, no matter what it is. But then you have the abundant mindset folks out there who life is for them. And that is the victor mindset. Everything is for me. I am going to make this happen mm -hmm. for me. I'm going to change this for me. Even when head when headwinds come, you know, you just have to ride the wind a little bit. So very, very good. And Jeffrey, you guys have a free ebook. Why don't you tell me about that and where our, where our listeners can find that? Yeah, it's a book that my brother put together where uh, if you're interested in learning about some of the common mistakes that passive investors make, feel free to visit that. It'll kind of go into the highlights of, of what we see as the common mistakes that a lot of passive investors in real estate tend to make. So um, the link is www.donis, my last name, you spell that D-O-N-I-S, investmentgroup.com backslash playbook. And folks, as always, that will be in the show notes. Scroll down, that link will be right there for you. 
Before I let you go, I lied. I have two more questions, right? One of them is about philanthropy. So one of, everyone who listens to this show knows that one of Quattro's four basic pillars, people, property, profit, and philanthropy, right? Philanthropy is a big point that is near and dear to our hearts. So I love to give guests on the show an opportunity to share their heart and what you know where their philanthropic interests lie so that you know a lot of times guests will actually be inspired by you and contribute on your behalf. So why don't you share that with us? Where is your philanthropic heart? For sure. And I appreciate the question. Um, so I was in Guatemala back to where I, when I went for the first time. And that was when I started reading. So it's not a coincidence that that all happened at the same time. And I was reading a book by a guy named John Wood. It was Leaving Microsoft to Change the World is what the title of the book was. And it talks about how John was a highly paid executive at Microsoft making lots of money, but he wasn't fulfilled. He was very, he was always busy, but he wasn't uh, happy. So that was like the beginning of the book. It kind of goes into how he went to Nepal one one time at one point and realized that all, a lot of these kids in the third world country live in poverty and that kind of piqued his interest. So he realized that, I think, I don't remember exactly how he got the book to the kid, but he gave, he had like three books on him and he gave the kids the book and he saw how happy they got and how much of a difference such a small thing to him made to them. So when he got back, he realized if he could just try to get as many books to that country as possible, he doesn't know the impact it could have, but he knew that he wanted to do that. So he came back and he started, he just kind of from grassroots up, he started this nonprofit called Room to Read, where he would get people to donate books. Um, now people are just donating money. And the, 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 reason that, the reason that it kind of made sense to me and then I could relate to it in a way was in the book, he explains that if you're able to educate the young female in a family in an impoverished country, they're more likely, the female is more likely to grow up and have offspring and then teach her kids how to read and write, which will hopefully overall and over time pull that family out of poverty. Now, my mom, um, knowing that she's a single mother, she comes from a similar country like Nepal. It was Guatemala, so it's not the same country. But anyway, um, she came here and now I'm here and I'm I'm going to leave an impact on this earth, right? With my brothers, she as a single mother was able to do that. Um, so I, I know there's a power in education, especially if we can target young women, in my opinion. Um, so that's kind of why it all kind of wraps around. And that's something that we're looking to to grow. Um, so the room to read, what they'll do is they'll build libraries and schools in third world countries like Guatemala and Nepal. Um, and that's something that we want to be a part of. That is incredible. And just, just listening to you talk about that, I can hear your heart on that. I mean, you have some personal experience with it and you know, you're, you're getting to be the generation that pulls your family even to a, to a new height, right? And then helping other families do that. I love that, love that, love that. All right. I'd love to talk to you all day because this story is just enthralling, but we have to end the episode, unfortunately. So how can our audience get in touch with you, Jeffrey? What's the best way? Yeah. So you can reach me uh, directly jeffrey at donisinvestmentgroup.com yeah yeah that, that's right <laughs> and then um social media at donis d-o-n-i-s brothers on linkedin i mean instagram facebook and youtube and then for my linkedin just jeffrey donis um, and then our website is www.donisinvestmentgroup.com also feel free to reach out and um, check out our podcast the real estate monopoly Awesome. Awesome. And I've listened to that podcast. It is awesome. Real Estate Monopoly is an easy one to remember. I kind of wish I thought of it. It's a little bit better than Real Estate Runway. So good name. And, you know, even though Jeffrey doesn't know how to spell his own email, it'll be in the show notes for you. So don't worry <laughs> to scroll down. All right, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate the story, the, the knowledge. I mean, dude, what you know is so far beyond anyone in your walk of life. So just incredible. I cannot wait to see what you guys do. You're cut. You've come up through a solid mentorship group. You know, I wish all the best to you. Thank you, Chad. Likewise. I look forward to staying in touch.
All right, everyone. This has been another episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast. Until next time, over and out. We hope this episode was insightful and brought value to your day. If so, please be awesome and leave us a five-star review. Find out how Team Quattro can help you at thequattroway.com. Until next time, this is the Real Estate Runway Podcast.